Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for those willing to question what they think they know or what they may believe, those willing to be uncertain for an hour. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have a great chat room, so Ravinder, do you want to tell us all about it, please? We do have a great chat room, and uh, last week in particular, we were very fortunate because um, our guest hung around in the chat room afterwards and answered a whole bunch of additional questions, so... uh, yeah, there's always lots of information, lots of new insights that you gain from the chat room. And, of course, there's some wonderful people in there. So if you can join us, that is provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. All right. In today's spotlight, I wish to remind you about the hurting that goes on that is intentionally designed to manipulate your actions, choices, and beliefs. I recently reviewed an article titled Regulating Behavior in Online Communities. As you might fairly assume by the title, this article is all about the research that reveals exactly how and why folks behave and how to utilize this knowledge to orchestrate the results you may be seeking. Now, I should say up front that this article is primarily concerned with organizing acceptable behavior among members of online communities, and that I applaud. However, what caught my attention more than anything was the amount of research designed to encourage group assent, so-called normative behavior, and otherwise empower group thinking. Why should I be concerned about group thinking? Think about consensus standards for a moment. Where consensus can be a valuable tool, should covert manipulation techniques be employed in order to win consensus? Research has repeatedly demonstrated the power that a group can play over individual thinking. The famous length of line study is but one such example. In it, we find that when a group decides the shorter line is longest among lines, sooner rather than later, the new member of the group defies his observational ability and agrees with a group regarding which line is longest. So what are some of the techniques deployed in the name of consensus standards? Well, there are the shills who utilize shill accounts to damage or enhance reputations. Often the shill utilizes fake credentials because, of course, we're all subject to the influence of the so-called authority. Further, it's not uncommon for actual authorities to write reviews supporting or criticizing a point of view, all as a matter of political expedience, satisfying their own agenda. We have often seen hired guns of this nature argue everything from health benefits that come from smoking the fossil fuel arguments currently raging in this country. There are also the many lesser-known tricks of the trade, some designed to shame people who fail to conform. This shaming leads to psychological compliance principles that I've written about at great length in my book, Gotcha, The Subordination of Free Will. For example, moderators may use a scoring system to grade responses. Low grades imply stupid involvement, of course, and this alone imposes a penalty for failure to agree. You can see a simple form of this on Facebook, not by moderators per se, but rather by both shills and supposed friends. Post something that riles one of your supposed friends and watch how fast they post something rude and nasty. One post may not send your post into your stomach grief, But if two come back-to-back, the pile-on is incredible. Suddenly, you may be rethinking your opinion 
and or removing the post. Recently, I posted one such sort of post. It was a comical post of how people responded to a fake snake. Immediately, the post began coming in saying things like, Since when is scaring someone funny? As soon as there were two such posts back-to-back, the post was no longer amusing to anyone. After all, how can you laugh when a toy snake frightens someone? As an aside, by the way, it seems our PC environment is rapidly spreading to many, many areas of our life. Moving on, a more subtle technique involves the use of art. For example, if a picture illustrates three people breaking a rule, then more people find it okay to break the rules. However, if one is shown breaking the rule, then folks are much less inclined to break the rules, even if the rule challenges rational thinking. This sort of manipulation is referred to as injunctive norms, behaviors people approve or disapprove of, and differs from what psychologists refer to as normative, or beliefs about typical behavior. Ironically, the effect of making normative behavior explicit is stronger when the norm itself is less clear. Well, I could go on and on, but we are time-restricted. So let me just say this. Be aware that there are thousands of techniques known to the manipulators that are designed to win your consent, to force your opinion, and otherwise guide your beliefs, all of which exist for the sole purpose of winning your heart and mind, and not for any altruistic purpose. My thoughts anyway, what are yours, Ravinder? You know, I found that entire article fascinating. Uh, I'd come across it simply because... um, it was supposed to be to do with um, helping people behave online, you know, to be respectful, to be nice, and da da da. So that was the context in which it was introduced. And I was just stunned at the amount of research that had been done looking at all the different factors. But as you so rightly point out, every one of those can be used from the other direction, not just to get you to behave, but to manipulate you and herd you and stick you into this little box uh, well and we know historically that that's exactly what has been done and and, and as recently as uh, this last scandal about the the Russian involvement in uh, the use of online media such as uh, those social networking pages networking sites so it is something I think we should all be very aware of and uh, temper our responses to Absolutely. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week our show featured Professor Scott Turner, and we discussed his work and book, Purpose and Desire, What Makes Something Alive and Why Modern Darwinism Fails to Explain It. Alan wrote, loved your guest. I have always thought that there was a reconciliation possible between a world with a creator and evolution. Professor Turner entered our chat room and answered several questions, to which Richard remarked, what a great general idea that the guests hang out for a minute or two on the chat. Very good feeling to ask a question or two. I think science education needs a standard educational track that teaches and coaches scientists on social factors like productive listening, disagreement, and here it is, marketing and social influence. Scientists would be well served to self-manage social acceptance of ideas. CB commented, I especially do not understand why high school science is still teaching things that are patently wrong and only students attending college get tuned into a changed or upgraded version of the topic, let alone history. Great show. Super kudos for the guest hanging out in the chat room after the interview. Angelina wrote, wow, talk about provocative, Dr. Taylor. You endorsed a book that challenges Darwinian evolution. I am surprised. Well, Angelina, the book shines a bright light on the flaws that exist in strict Darwinian mechanistic views. And that's something we should all be aware of, regardless of our prior learnings and leanings. That's what this show is all about. 
In my opinion, we take too much as fact, that which is floundering in exceptions, anomalies, and errors. So I question anyone who is unwilling to examine the exceptions. Would you like to comment on that one, Ravinder? You, I'm chatting in the chat room. You lost me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So we, we all know all you're not paying attention. I'm paying perfect attention to all my chat roomies <laughs> right that second. All right. Moving on. Rebecca Smith. Acquisitions and Programming Manager for Virgin Atlantic Airlines commented, quote, the combination of subconscious learning techniques and this unique technology is a remarkable development and one which we are thrilled to be able to offer our passengers. InterTalk can help change the way you think, and we hope that this will further enhance the in-flight experience on Virgin Atlantic and continue to be a benefit to passengers long after their journey with us, close quote. You like that one? I do indeed. Oh, you are paying attention now. A little bit, I better. <laughs> you, you watch me just to make sure I'm paying attention. <laughs> and Francisco wrote, please pass my greetings to Dr. Taylor and congratulations for putting all the time and effort into these intertalk programs to help us improve our lives. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Francisco, and all of you for your feedback and support. Okay, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but we do love your comments, so please keep them coming, even if Ravinder isn't paying attention. I hear them all eventually. I do. <laughs> you can opine by writing to me at Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at EldonTaylor.com, or by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor. We do sincerely appreciate your thoughts and ideas. Now to today's show, the use of adrenal scalar and PEMF gamma in health with Dr. Norman Sheely. Dr. Sheely is a regular on our show and one of my favorite guests, but for those of you who may not be familiar with him, allow me to tell you just a little bit about him. C. Norman Sheely, MD, PhD, Doctor of Science, is founder and CEO of the International Institute of Holistic Medicine, President of Sheely Wellness, LLC, and Holos Energy Medicine Education. He is editor of the Journal of Comprehensive Integrative Medicine. He was founding president of the American Holistic Medical Association in 1978. He was founding president of Holos University Graduate Seminary and is now Professor Emeritus of Energy Medicine. He has 12 patents in energy medicine, has published 35 books and over 300 articles. Dr. Sheely's innovations include spinal cord stimulation, transcutaneous electro nerve stimulation, also known as TENS, the Rejuva Matrix for rejuvenating telomeres and transcutaneous acupuncture, which has now also been shown to rejuvenate telomeres for healthy longevity. I could go on with much more, but let's get him in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, or welcome back, I should say, Dr. Sheely. Hey, great to be with you, Eldon. And by the way, I thoroughly enjoyed your comments at the beginning of the show. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Uh, since you heard the spotlight, what are your thoughts on all these manipulation games and <laughs> techniques well, out there? You, you, you write on spot. I mean... It is so easy to manipulate people politically, socially, economically, et cetera, et cetera. Don't you see a lot of that in the healthcare industry? I mean, particularly the business of pharmacology? You're being kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm the pharmacal mafia for nothing. Yeah. All right. As you know, Dr. Sheely, we like to know three things on this show. Who is the messenger? What is the message? And, of course, how do we use it? So to that end, for those of us in the audience that aren't familiar with you and your work, uh, tell us why you studied medicine and what eventually led you to become critical of much of the allopathic protocols and turn instead to alternative methods. Well, from age four, I wanted to be a physician because I wanted to help people. And I've never lost that. Uh, medical school was met the meds, so to speak, in, in that regard. I 
got criticized several times for not liking what was being stuffed out our throats. But it was in my neurosurgical residency I began to realize just how bad it was. We were actually treating chronic pain with cutting the spinal cord with a broken-off piece of an old single-edged razor blade. I consider that barbarian. And so when I finished, that's when I began doing research on pain physiology that eventually led to all of those uh, discoveries that you've already mentioned. And basically, here's my opinion about modern medicine. If it's acute, an acute illness, it's fairly good. If it's chronic, I don't know a chronic disease where I would go along with conventional therapy. All right. We've got a bit of a technical show here today. Uh, my pretty bride said, you know, what is this all about? I, I don't get it. So, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us, if you don't mind, I'm going to take us around the entire subject before we go straight into your work, if that's all right. right. So <clears throat> turning to that most recent work, we should probably begin with an understanding of scalar energy and scalar wave propagation. Now, my late friend, Dr. Carl Schleicher, was convinced that the Soviets used scalar waves piggybacked on microwave to bombard our embassy with patterns designed to interrupt the nervous system and thereby cause illness among the staff, including our ambassadors. And that's a rather famous case now. But for those who are not familiar with Carl, he worked for the Navy as a war games expert, cryptologist, and spy in Europe. After his naval service, he went into the exotic areas of knowledge with a mandate to peek discreetly into the unknown, if you will, with his firm, Mankind Research. So, doctor, please flesh out for our audience what Tesla waves, also known as scalar waves, are. Well, they are also called zero-point energy. And according to physicists, all empty space here on Earth and throughout the universe are filled with scalar energy, but it is, quote, unfocused. Dr. Bill uh, Tiller has said if you could focus the energy in a bit of this space equal to the size of a helium molecule, it would be enough to boil the ocean. In other words, it's powerful. Nikolai Tesla is the one who, who made it fairly famous because he was able to produce free electricity. But, of course, Edison and Rockefeller destroyed him as well as they could. Uh, and but, but scalar energy has been, in the last couple of decades, focused to do for healing. And so here's how it came about. In September, a year and a half ago, there was a worldwide announcement that the people in southern Italy in one little area lived longer than anywhere else in the world. My intuition was that something about the topography of that area must be focusing scalar energy in a positive way. Now, this is so, the Salento, Italy area that you yes. actually did. Okay, I didn't want to interrupt. I just want that clarity for our audience. And they measured a, a chemical called adrenomedulin, which is a, is not reduced, uh, produced just in the adrenal glands, but anywhere in blood vessels when there's a stress. And they found in these 95-year-old people who were still healthy and active, their levels were 2 to 10, which is healthy for a 20-year-old. And so we then produced two different kinds of scalar equipment that are on the market but, you know, are known to be safe. Mm -hmm. And we invited 28 people to come and sit in the room with either of the two rooms for nine hours a week for four weeks. We measured their adrenomedulin at the beginning, and our average person was well above 150, which is, you know, pretty darn high. Within four weeks, just nine hours a week, the adrenomedulin came down 52%. In other words, their cumulative life stress was cut in half. Then we brought them back and took a drop of blood two drops of blood, actually. One looked at immediately under the microscope, and the other one we put in front of a sapphire-enhanced. Sapphire crystal is a strong enhancer of electromagnetic energy. 
mm-hmm. struggling course. And we looked at just 20 minutes, the blood in front of the sapphire scala reduced the inflammatory markers in the blood 80%. We had them sit in there three hours again, and their free radicals in their urine decreased 40%. So now we have demonstrated that exposure to, especially to scalar enhanced with sapphire, is the best known, proven to date, reducer of every known inflammatory and stress biochemical. We also have shown people have um, decreased blood sugar if they're diabetic. In fact, today I got two reports uh, just before this this program. One, a lady with very advanced multiple sclerosis. She's been using it only two weeks, and her energy is the best it's been in 20 years. The other one, a woman who's been using it only for a few weeks, had carpal tunnel syndrome, all kinds of arthritic pain, and she's totally free of pain. So uh, I believe that the scalar enhance with sapphire is the best stress reducer ever known. We're, we're got, it could take us a year to finish the next experiment, but I believe that just sleeping with it in your room will regenerate your telomeres. Okay, now I'm going to have to unpack uh, a bit of what you just said, if you don't mind. Uh, Tesla waves, scalar waves, travel faster than the speed of light. We call them superluminal. Scalar waves are not electromagnetic, but composed, as you pointed out, of pure zero-point energy. They have the potential to be used as a power source. Correct me if I say something that's incorrect, Doctor. Right. Uh, So you used a scalar piece of equipment, something you say standard in use, but just scalar is, did you have a frequency, uh, and what was the equipment you used, and, and, and how did you direct this scalar, and and how is zero point relevant to the, your use of the scalar? Well, the scalar we have is about the size of a an average photograph, 10 by 12 inches. And the frequency, the base frequency is Earth frequency, which is 7.83 hertz. And it's been designed by engineers. I don't know how to do it myself. But uh, we have certainly demonstrated through months of personal use uh, that it is exquisitely safe. Uh I, I think you can sit in it 24 hours a day safely. In fact, I have one on my desk in my office here, and I have one in my bedroom. So I'm getting it probably at least 16 hours a day. Okay, Doc, I guess what I'm getting to is uh, what's the difference between um, radionics and a scalar? Oh, radionics is actually... <laughs> um, it's, in my opinion, an intuitive thing. I mean, radionics, as originally introduced by Abramson, uh, was something that had no definitive frequency. They had all these knobs uh, with different numbers on them, but no electrical connection whatsoever. And uh, it was, you know, you put a quote, proving. It could be hair or blood or urine or almost anything or photograph, mm-hmm. and they would then tune into it and tell you what was wrong and then tune into it and treat it. I consider radionics uh, a an unproven scientific experiment. Okay, now some radionics devices that I'm familiar with, indeed I've got a couple of them that I've experimented with myself, interface with scalars so that you're actually broadcasting a given frequency, theoretically at least, generated in the computer uh, through a scalar antenna. Do you have experience with that? Yes, I do. Um, Not a lot, but I have to say I don't trust them. My experience is uh, not as good as our biochemical experience is. 
Well, you've certainly done the research now uh, yeah. with regard to that. I take it that if we go to your website, the, the scalar uh, equipment with uh, the Sapphire is available there? Yes. Okay, and that's uh, normsheely.com. We have a break coming up, Norm. When I come back... Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be pro, you know a bit of an antagonist if I can because I think it's fair that our listening audience know what the other side would have to say about some of these alternatives, such as uh, you know scalar energy and uh, well and we'll get into the pulse electromagnetic uh, electromagnetic field therapy here in just a second or how they interface. We're speaking with Dr. Norm Sheely about his work with Adrenoscalar and PEMF Gamma in Health. Uh, you can learn more about our guest by visiting his website, normsheely.com. Do check out this scalar. Uh, now, we have a video for you in our chat room featuring Dr. Sheely discussing youthful aging. So if you're not in the chat room already, now is the time to get on over there. And you can do that by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. I don't think Ravinder's sleeping in the chat room, so she might even greet you. I am wide awake. <laughs> okay, do please stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Change has never been easier. Whether you wish to lose weight, stop smoking, build better relationships, become creative, enjoy ultra-prosperity, or simply relax and promote self-healing, InnerTalk has been repeatedly demonstrated effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies. Our customers love InnerTalk. Sean wrote, I have struggled with bulimia for over 30 years and have never been able to lose weight without restoring to it until I used InnerTalk. Vicki wrote, My hubby has been using the Stop Snoring CD and already his dangerous and raucous snoring levels have stopped. Celeste wrote, I recently graduated from Taft Law School with honors. I'm writing to tell you how much your InnerTalk CD, Excel in Exams, has helped me. With over 300 titles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check it out today by going to innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Elvin Taylor. Suntan wind blown, honeymooners at last alone. Feelings are above par. Oh, how lucky we are! While I give to you. And you give to me True love True love So on and on It'll always be Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're chatting with Dr. Norm Sheely about his work with Adrenal Scalar and PEM, PEMF Gamma in Health. You can learn more about our guest by visiting his website, normsheely.com. That's N-O-R-M-S-H-E-A-L-Y.com. Now, we ask our guests for their favorite music, music that has some true significance to them. And as you know by now, music psychology is an emerging field with practical relevance in many areas. So we just played some of Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly performing True Love. I know this one is very important to you, Doc, but please share with our audience why. Well, you know, basically I think this came out about the time my wife and I got married, and it's just been my favorite all those years. I've never, never, ever replaced it with anything else. 
So I've had you elaborate on that before. I won't ask you to now, but I've always thought your your story, which actually is I'm bringing a book on music psychology myself and your story is in that book. Uh, was a particularly touching story. How important it was as a, and continues to be as a manifestation, living manifestation, of an enduring love, despite the fact your wife is crossed over. Well, that's that's true. Uh, so I guess it's more poignant to me today than it ever has been. But it uh, it still is a great favorite. It's beautiful music. All right, Doc, I must uh, be fair and present the antagonist position to Scalar. Free energy advocates have pushed the concept of Scalar since the 1990s, and I don't know if you know him, but physicist Tom Bearden, and, and I know his work well, I've quoted him and communicated with him in my book, Thinking Without Thinking, has done much to help us understand Scalars and their potential. Uh, that said, the antagonists argue that the idea of the scalar has been adopted by some alternative medicine practitioners, and I'm going to quote now, as the new quantum, a universally applicable, sciency hand wave to support any arbitrary claim whatsoever. So what do you say to this criticism, doctor? Well, you know, I, I believe in outcomes. And so uh, you can criticize anything, and I have a, a lot of drugs, for instance. But my number one requirement, even for me to consider something, is safety, as far as I could tell. And I could find no evidence of any harm from Scalar as, as I see it. Secondly, then, I need to see a positive benefit. And we've been working with this now for about a year and a half and have enough outcome that I consider it exquisitely safe but also effective. So, uh, you know, naysayers don't prove anything to me unless they've got outcomes that show the opposite effect. I agree totally. You've actually done a good deal of research with a scaler. And as you indicated earlier with the Salento Italy instance, uh, if you have that outcome and somebody then decides that they want to attack it, let them attack the outcome itself. Let them attack uh, your methodology. Let them attack how you, uh, you know, constructed your uh, scales, your math, uh, your significance, etc. But just a blind attack has very little traction with me for what it's worth. Uh, let me ask you this, Doc. What is PEMF? Now, you know, I'm, and, and how does it differ from, because I think a lot of people are apt to think of it as a pulsed electromagnetic frequency. How does it differ from EMF? Well, it's interesting. Um, uh, electromagnetic frequency, of course, is any uh, use, if you will. It is all over the place. Pulsed electromagnetic is very specific. It's not something you can send across the room. It's something that you uh, put near or on the body. It doesn't have to touch the body directly. It'll go through clothes. In fact, the one we've made will go through your mattress. But it's strongest if the coil, it, it consists of a copper coil. It can be any size. The one we make is only about 8 inches in diameter. But I got interested in this uh, eight years ago when I was asked to investigate a different device that was about two feet in diameter for, for uh, diabetic neuropathy. It was very effective for reversing uh, some of the sensory loss as well as controlling the pain. I eventually bought a, an $18,000 device that's supposed to be the great, you know, great one. It was awful. I, it, it actually would shock the patient, so I didn't have any control over it. And uh, so we had an engineer create one that I call the chakra sweep. That is, the physical chakras, the energy centers of the body, have, I believe, certain specific frequencies, which range from 7.83 to 7 times that. And so 
hours just cover that frequency every 12 minutes. And we've now done hundreds and hundreds of people with it. For local pain, it's the greatest thing ever. It's excellent for diabetic neuropathy, but for all kinds of other pain. It also increases circulation. You put it anywhere on the body, and the, circuit, the temperature will increase in the skin 6 to 12 degrees. You put it on the head, and it will instantly put the brain into gamma frequency, and, and the optimal gamma frequency is 40 cycles per second. Now, every known disease, whether it's psychological or physical, is associated with lack of gamma brain frequency. Gamma is what is sometimes called in the zone, or I call it woohoo, that feeling of absolute being very alert and okay, but, you know, just great, no problem. And uh, so we've been using it in depression and anxiety, and it is phenomenal for improving mood. Haven't done it yet, but I'm, I've had approved an institutional review board study of the effect of this on addiction because addicts of all people are lacking gamma brain activity. Interesting. Um, I, I guess I have to ask this because, um, you know, devices that are intended to uh, affect the body directly or controlled or supposedly permitted by the FDA. Are these FDA devices? Interestingly, uh, no. In fact, PIMP is, is ordinarily does not go through that. Uh, these devices are certified by a Native American church. It's a sacrament of the, of the Native American church, which anything that the sacrament of a Native American church is exempt from federal and state law. Interesting. I, I was not aware of that. Okay. Once again, then, to be fair-minded, critics say this is PMF, um, is a hoax. Indeed, writing for Science-Based Medicine, Dr. Harriet Hall said this, quote, they refer to extensive research that PEMF causes cellular residence. It is strange that despite this extensive research, there is virtually nothing published about cellular residence. The only references I can find have nothing to do with PEMF, but only an alleged phenomenon of neuronal communication. I did find a good reference entitled Nonsense about signal transduction and cellular resonance, which nicely debunks the idea as pseudoscience. What do you say to that sort of attack, Dr. Sheely? I would call her ignorant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Other than that, and I'm willing to tell her that publicly and to her face or on the Internet. <laughs> well, you may have just told her publicly. Uh, let's do this, then. Let's back up for a minute. EMF has some dangerous aspects to it. Now, most people are familiar that, you know, you can get these low-energy EMF fields and they can mess with everything. Uh, why is, you know, the pulsed uh, MEF safer than EMF? Well, it, it, in my opinion, it's the way in which it is produced directed at the body. Now, the only contraindication would be someone who has an implanted pacemaker because it could interfere with the pacemaker itself, but it won't harm your body. Uh, I would not use it in someone who's pregnant or who might get pregnant because, again, we have no work on it, this kind of stuff in people with pregnancy, but there are many, many things that are restricted in pregnancy. Other than that, We've seen no contraindication to it at all. None. All right. Adrenal medulin is a vasodilator peptide hormone. And um, it's said to have uncertain significance in human health and, and disease. You don't accept the uncertainness. Why? Well, I, I want to reduce adrenal medulin. Adrenal medulin is useful as a temporary thing, 
when you have an acute stress reaction, but because we have so many repeated stresses throughout life that go everywhere from anger, if you will, uh, to cuts and bruises and breaks and everything else, that gradually the adrenomedullin blood level just increases steadily throughout life. And the higher it is, the more you fall apart or age or deteriorate. So by keeping the adrenomedullin baseline level as close to the healthy 20-year-old as you can or helping you go back down to that level, certainly can appear to restore health. All right, let's back up for a minute. How do you know that your treatment protocol produces gamma in the brain? I mean, what kind of device oh, are you using? Okay. We've got uh, EEG, computerized EEGs, and we have done this on a variety of people, ranging from people who have no, you know, psychological, emotional problems to those who are quite depressed or quite anxious. And even the most anxious or most depressed person will go into gamma within, you know, immediately within a few, well, a minute or two, as long as the uh, PEMF device is placed within an inch of the, of the brain. Now, gamma, again, you're defining as 25 cycles per second? No, it's 40. 40. Gamma, if you read the literature, it's all over the place. Some people take it from 30 to 100, but to me, the ideal appears to be 40. Okay, now you're looking, when you say gamma wave, you're looking at the brain wave itself. How is that different than alpha, beta, theta, delta? Okay, beta is anything from roughly... 13 to 30 cycles per second. That's the alert learning state. Alpha is 8 to 12. Theta is 4 to 7. Delta is 0 to 3. And so each state is associated with different, you know, mental uh, capabilities, if you will. Theta is usually the one considered for learning and being alert and carrying on your duties. Alpha is the early stage of relaxation. Theta is somewhat deeper, begins a visualization. And delta is actually deep relaxation, getting ready for going into sleep. But gamma is that of high meditation um, and creativity. So you're saying, I, I want to make sure I understand this, uh, Dr. Sheely. You're saying that 40 cycles per second, which most of the literature would say is a high state of stress, um, is indeed a healthy state of brainwave activity. So are you talking about, I guess where I'm going, is this a dominant pattern or is this a latent pattern behind, uh, you know, the normal, um, you know, beta wave? Well, and it, 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 it is the state that people feel most energy physically and mentally. And they feel the most creative and alert and positive. And again, we have a number of EEGs in people with those symptoms as well as those with depression or anxiety. And every one of them instantly goes into gamma when we put the PEMF near the head. And we have moved as, you know, it's not quite as strong when you take it six inches away from the head, but it is still gamma. All right, follow-up on that, Doc. Um, you know, quick search, in, in, and I have difficulty finding data that, that suggests that um, an absence of gamma is... Uh, correlated with disease. How did you derive that, sir? Well, I just searched the literature, PubMed. Actually, um, Google Scholar is often better than PubMed, but I usually do both of them. And um, the reason I did that was I discovered that there are a number of things that can help gamma 
in the brain. One of those is oxytocin, the nurturing, the bonding hormone. Right. And, and there's all kinds of data for that. And then I, I did studies and showed that people with depression and anxiety, et cetera, uh, and, and drug addiction have a, essentially no gamma under ordinary circumstances. And yet I can produce or in, get them to have gamma instantly by putting it near the, the PEMF near the head. You know, that's really interesting, and, and I find that part of your work truly interesting because it's counterintuitive to how healthcare professionals have been taught for years and years. I mean, um, ranging from hypnotherapy to psychology, uh, that slowed brainwave activity, you know, that those twilight stages, uh, they're the stages that your cardiologist encourages you get to through meditation, uh, through the use of hypnosis, uh, slow the brainwave down, uh, increase the creativity, um, you know, etc. And yet you're saying, the heck with that, speed it up. Well, yes, this particular frequency <laughs> appears to be extremely good. I mean, I've, I've, I've sat here sometime for an hour or two at a time with it on my head to be sure. And I've never had a negative effect. And I've had, in all the people we've used it on, we've never had them have any negative effect from it. You know, the one thing I like about you is you're outcome-oriented. So I can ask you the toughest question on the planet. And you have, you've already asked yourself and done something to verify it. I, I admire that, Dr. Sheely. When will you know whether or not uh, gamma rays. I mean, you must have a study uh, ongoing right now with opiate addicts. Gamma radiation. Gamma radiation is a totally different thing from gamma waves in the brain. Okay. I, I missed part of that. Back up and tell me what you just said. Gamma radiation uh-huh. is a form of X-ray, if you will, therapy. Right. Gamma frequency has nothing to do with gamma radiation in the radioactive field. Right. But I wasn't asking you that. No, no. I Well, but the, the, the gamma radiation is dangerous. Gamma frequency is not. The electrical frequency of gamma is not. Okay, I got you. So you're just qualifying there. All right. Uh, my question had to do with opiate addicts. You, you've got to be running a research design uh, now with the gamma brainwave frequency. When, when are you going to have an outcome on that? Within about three months. Tell us about the study. Okay. We have here several houses in in Springfield where a judge has committed these people to this very controlling, if you will, house. They're not in prison, but Mm -hmm. they are monitored 24 hours a day, and they are not on drugs, and they're monitored for drugs essentially every day to be sure they're not seeking them. So these are people who have already been withdrawn from it but are still craving. They haven't gotten over the craving stage. So we will be looking at their behavior and a whole bunch of psychological evaluations. But most important, the craving and the other negative effects of drugs and, and having them use the cranial PEMF, a minimum of an hour a day, and in any other number of hours they wish to, to, to uh, use them. 90 days, I've got to have you back to tell us how that turned out. You also have a study going or ongoing regarding whether or not scalar will actually regenerate telomeres. That uh, one will take us through the year. It'll take us to next January. Next January. All right. Well, we've got two dates for when you're coming back then, don't we, Dr. Sheely? Overall, you say you've got one in your bedroom, you've got one in your office. If someone were to get it, you know, one or both of these devices, what could they expect would be the general treatment benefit of having them? Well, reduction of stress is the you know, the psychological, emotional feeling of stress, very common, but also better sleep, deeper sleep, 
I'm, I'm afraid to mention this one to you, Elder. Don't go too crazy when I say this. But four of us have found, after a month only of using the scaler at night, our gray hair is disappearing. My gray hair is down 70%. Wow. Will it grow hair back? I haven't done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you but still got hair. For over half my years, so that could take a while. That's incredible. Okay, Dr. Sheely, we have about one minute left. So for our audience's uh, information, please tell them where they might learn more about you, where you might be speaking, about your work, and and about this equipment that you now have available. They can go to Norm Sheely, N-O-R-M-S-H-E-A-L-Y, and that will give them my full website, and it will have a link up there to events that tell you where I'm speaking. As far as I know at this time, the rest of the, you know, already scheduled for this year. And, of course, access to information on the Adrenoscaler and the PEMF. Okay, and, you know, I searched that because several people in our chat room were talking about it. If you're interested in the scaler, put in the, the word sapphire. Without that, you might be wandering around a rather large uh, website for a great deal of time. Yeah, I want to thank you, Dr. Sheely, for your willingness to share with us your work and for your courage to do the kind of work that you're doing, sir. Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show, maybe learned something, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at eldentaylor.com.